Next Sunday will be Father's Day. Inside is Paul, too. So, Mom, why not uh, treat Dad to a big doubleheader on his day next Sunday? Welcome to the BBA Today, your podcast that covers events around the Brewster Baseball Association every day with your host, Yellow Springs 9 General Manager, Ron Collins. And now, let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome to episode 24 of the BBA Today. This is a, a double dozen, I guess, two, four, 24. That's a, that's a lot of fun for me right now. I'm looking back to the past uh, couple of weeks and never really actually thought that we'd get to 24, but here we are. Uh, and it is August 4th, I think, uh, inside the game of 2040. Um, Chicago has won 12 games in a row, but I happen to be having with me today the hot the general manager of the hottest team in the BBA, and that is Charm City, who is on a 14 team-game winning streak. Brandon Slock is here today to talk to me about uh, that happenstance and the entire uh, wild, wild Atlantic mix-up. Thank you, Brandon, for taking some time out of your day. I know you're, I know you're busy today, but I really appreciate uh, you taking some time here to talk to me. Sure. Let's, uh, let's get into this. Talk about a division I think a lot of people have uh, looked down on for a while. I think things are starting to turn. And not only are they starting to turn, but they are really churning. I was looking back earlier this morning. Uh, I think four teams have led the division across the year. Brooklyn led the division early in the year, fell down to almost nothing, and has come back to be on the top uh, today. Montreal, Atlantic City, and New Orleans have all led the division at one point or another. Um, and uh, if you look at the Stats Plus division um playoff odds chart, you see these two teams suddenly having this elbow kink and rising upwards in Rockville and Charm City. About mid-July, your uh, playoff odds went from effectively kind of, call it zero, I mean, 10%, whatever, um, mm-hmm. skyrocketing up. I mean, those are the kind of, of things that you want to say. So the the point is the Atlantic is not only rising up, but is in turmoil. The entire division seems to be uh, this new beast. What are, what are your take on that? On how this, how it feels to be in the middle of this? Well, I expect it to be <clears throat> at least in the middle of this, just not the way we got here. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people expected at least my team to be pretty competitive, and we really haven't been competitive until the last, basically July. I mean, the, you know, we got this crazy winning streak now, but we had a really good July. Um, going into July, I actually looked to in stats plus, and you can find that in the standings where, you know, six of these teams are within four and a half games of the division and over, you know, 500 or better. Three of these teams on July 1st, so only a month ago were under 500. I think Brooklyn was one of them. I think they had a really good July. I think it was Brooklyn. I can't remember if it was a June or July. They had a really good month at some point as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I believe it was uh, Rockville and us. I think we were also the other teams. And Atlantic City might have been in the lead at that point. So, yeah, like you said, it's been going up and down other than kind of between four teams where Rockville and, and us have kind of um, been in the – been kind of just trying to play catch up. Yeah, you talk about uh, July being a, a hot month, and I think that's true. Um, I thought it was interesting. I don't know uh, – 
I don't think you've had the opportunity to actually listen to the uh, Frontier Boys uh, tooting their own horn about their dominance over the Atlantic. Uh, clearly, the first month, I think, of the season, they, they just kind of uh, went all uh, ballistic on the Frontier. But they were crowing yesterday about their big one-game massive um, advantage over the Atlantic in July, and I was looking at that, I, I guess it kind of boils down to the fact that Wichita uh, won one more game than Jacksonville did. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm seeing a pretty, uh, you, you talk about the Atlantic being all within four and a half games of each other, right? The top six teams within four and a half games, clearly mm-hmm. one of the most uh, competitive and entertaining divisions right now. But that boils all the way down into the wildcard playoffs, because if you look at um, the Johnson League wildcard, take Mexico City, who's, a, who's pretty clearly in an advantageous spot for that first slot. Mm-hmm. The next nine teams that include a big chunk of the Atlantic are all within two and a half games in the fight for the wildcard, which is a very exciting uh, thing to to be in from the outside looking in, <laughs> it's very entertaining that way. But that means uh, seven of those, uh, where six of those nine teams will have to go home empty-handed. Yeah, I mean, you know, you said it. They're talking a lot of smack for you know for a division that claims they're so much better. It's pretty sad they only won one more game, but you know, whatever. I think. I looked it up in the, these 14 games. I think eight of the games I won were uh, Frontier teams. So, again, I've been talking smack with, with the Frontier for a couple seasons now. I don't think they've ever really gotten the best of me. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to see the Atlantic actually in the mix because, you know, they probably are right the last, you know, since we've gone to this format. I can't remember. Is this year three of this format? or year, I don't even remember. But um, I think the Atlantic has been pretty weak. Um, maybe other than Rockville and when uh, Tyler was running Jacksonville, you know, honestly, yeah. Jacksonville might have eventually fell off anyway. So I don't mean any disrespect on that. just saying Tyler running them. But you know what I mean? They, you know, right. Jacksonville fell off a cliff. They were really good. And then they were they weren't. Yeah, I think um, Tyler was uh, expecting to go into some downtime, but he was working really hard to <laughs> avoid mm-hmm. it as quickly as, as long as he could. Anyway, Yeah. So, but other than, you know, Rockville and New Orleans here and there, um, you know, the, the Atlantic was really rebuilding. Yeah, I think that, I think that's true. When we went to this format, it caught the, it caught at least five or so of the Atlantic teams in the middle of, a of a pretty stark rebuild, Brooklyn and yourself in particular. Um, Atlantic City is always kind of interesting because I think Joshua plays it kind of close to the vest and, and in the middle of the, you know, he'd like to have a team that's kind of in the middle of the pack most of the time and can jump up yeah. and compete. Montreal was clearly in the upswing of a uh, rebuild. And um, and so, yeah, the Atlantic, I think, struggled for a little bit. Rockville and New Orleans and Jacksonville were the were the marquee teams, and then there wasn't mm-hmm. much behind that. No, and the frontier, since, you know, they've been this way, has been pretty competitive. You know, Vegas and I'd say... Mexico City, I think, struggled last year. But other than that, they were kind of up there. Edmonton's been pretty good the whole time, Vegas. Um, and then, then, you know, Calgary, and yeah. even Phoenix to a point. And then, you know, Boise stepping up last year and San Antonio this year. Yeah, it is a good division. Frontier has always gotten lucky in the Landis, too. That's always annoying. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. Just luck. <laughs> well, talk to me about the uh, teams. How how? What's your take? Let me give you a, an opportunity to take kind of a hot take on uh, each of the main teams that are kind of running through, uh, running, uh, making this such a entertaining division. Um, let's maybe stop. Uh, start at the top with Brooklyn. How do? How are you? How do you look at Brooklyn? How are they doing what they're doing? It's kind of like a magic show, it seems to me, that Allen is running this year. It always is with Allen, but I think he's got – he probably has the – I don't know if you agree, but from what I can tell, it's his most talented roster, definitely on offense. Um, that Flores signing, even though he's not even doing as well as normal, I think probably was a big boost to his offense. But, you know, Sliz and Vega, and he's got a couple other really good bats – um, it makes sense that their offense is one of the tops in the uh, JL. And their rotation, I think, is a little bit of a surprise. They have some talent, but uh, I don't. I don't know. It's. It's. I'm not sure how it will hold up in the playoffs. Because um, I, I think they have some talent. Some of the younger ones with talent aren't quite developed. But I mean, they're all pitching well. They really need a bullpen help. Um, they're doing a lot despite. A bullpen that's uh, was it thirteenth right now in the uh, in the JL. Yeah. So they're gonna uh, to me they need to go out and get an arm. Um, you know whether they they get a high end arm like a like a Huber or somebody or just get somebody to help bridge the gap. Because um, I mean they got they got a couple bullpen arms that are okay, but they got some that are bad, and they just need to get some guys in there that aren't bad. Yeah, I think uh, Allen uh, kind of uh, uh, played his hand coyly throughout the year. And, um, yeah, you look at uh, Vega and Sliz, and you know right away that they're going to always be competitive in some way or another. And, and Allen is uh, a bit of a miracle worker when it comes to getting the most out of um, out of players when it comes right down to it. So, But it does mean that – that doesn't mean um, – you know, the team has some holes – but it's also the team that can jump up and and create problems all over the place for you if you're not really paying attention to them. <laughs> yeah, you know their inconsistency um, isn't really surprising to me um, overall with some just some of the guys they have doing things. But let's talk about uh, New Orleans for a second. Sure. What, what's going um, on? What's going on down south with the Jim Roberts team? I feel like they they've had not as majors other years from what I can tell, but it seems like they're banged up again and they just can't those those catchers that have a ton of talent, they just haven't really they're both crushing lefties, I was looking, but they still struggle against right handed uh hitting. So I don't know if they I don't know what's going on with one of those guys. They definitely need a right handed uh um they definitely need a lefty to hit some right handed pitching in general because they're actually under five hundred against uh, right-handed pitching, which, you know, I mean, you're going to play 75% of your games against them more than likely. So you really need those guys to match. Um, And they're like, I think it was 40 and 42, which isn't, you know, terrible. But, I mean, I feel like the good teams, you got to have probably, you know, you got to be better than that. Yeah. It kind of fits into a conversation that Justin and I had on Slack one day, you know, you can have some pretty good hitters against right-handed uh, against the platoon split. Before I put it that way, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, and you look at New Orleans, and they do uh, lean pretty heavily uh, to the right-hand uh, batter side of the plate, so it does make me wonder. I hadn't actually looked at the platoon split thing until I just called it up when you mentioned it. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I mentioned to Justin is every time I see a team that is struggling in the long term when I'm not sure they should have struggled, um, if I'm smart, I go look at the what they're doing on the platoon splits and assuming that uh, New Orleans' lineup as it is today has been fairly consistent, you know, they've got what essentially two switch hitters and, a, and one left-handed bat in an open slot right now against right-handed pitchers. So yeah, they, that that's interesting. I hadn't realized they were struggling so much there. Yeah, and you know their pitching should be better. I th- they're kind of having the syndrome I had last year, where they were like top five in FIP and WAR for pitchers, but you know their actual ERAs weren't great, and uh, their tenth starter and bullpen. So I think their pitching's underperforming, but based on their offense to what they're actually doing in run scores, I think the offense might be even overperforming. Just because I don't think you know the numbers that they're putting up right now don't equate to a fifth, uh, the fifth best, a bit, fifth best offense. Yeah, a little tongue tied there. There you go. That is interesting, actually. And I see their uh, their pitcher's bat up is three oh nine, which is higher than uh, fairly higher than league average. <laughs> uh, I think league average is about three hundred right now. So they're twelfth in the Johnson and in uh, batting average on balls and plays allowed. So that may have something to do with their defense. I don't know. Uh, Montreal, can they withstand the injury? You know, they made that huge trade with Edmonton, uh, somewhat controversial now for later, and now uh, Mons Raider and their catcher, Fabre, are are back, uh, or not back yet, um, are injured. Um, is that going to be their Achilles heel? They're still kind of in the thick of things. Um, what are your thoughts on Montreal? How have they done what they've done? Uh, the rotation, the rotation's been uh, fantastic. Um, again, I look at them; they definitely have some good talent. Uh, I don't know if some of it should be equating to some of the numbers they're getting, but they're getting them. It's a really good rotation this year, um, best in the JL. But then you look at their bullpen, and they're fifteenth. Uh, so they're they got the same issue as New Orleans, except that they're actually getting starting pitching. They should be winning more games, even with the bad bullpen. They definitely need to get an arm, too. And, you know, I was one of the ones who didn't like the trade they made with Edmonton either. It just looks way worse. Uh, I don't know. I feel like their offensive talent is probably better than what they're doing. Aldo is having he's having a fine year, but considering what he did last year, it's a big step down. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's really hurting them. Um, you know, even Gonzalez is also having a really down year compared to last year. Just a lot of his big bats that drove him last year, the, you know, they're having more more traditional, just what solid, plus, you know, above average plus bats will do, not the crazy ridiculous year. And I think that's hurting them too. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time period for them because, like I said, I think they were on their way up. Um, and obviously that trade, uh, it seems to me from the outside looking in, that trade was made with the idea that uh, this was the moment to try to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as it kind of blew up, it makes you wonder. But on the other hand, like I said, they're at this point where if they happen to get a, if one of their guys jumps up and if Aldo suddenly 
has a massive August, you know, weird things can still happen. But I think that the, I, I wouldn't be betting the ranch on them uh, being able to overcome that injury, but I was interested in your take. Let me jump down uh, to Atlantic City. Atlantic City is currently sixth in the division. Uh, it wasn't more than like a game month ago or so, month and a, maybe six weeks at the most, that they were literally leading the division. What are you, what is your take on Atlantic City? They're currently at a perfect 54 and 54. Uh, do they have a puncher's chance? Well, they got a puncher's chance if, you know, when you think about literally punching people at the mouth of their offense, it's just the problem is their pitching is just awful overall. They have the best offense in the JL. Um, you know, they slug the, the hell out of the ball. Um, but they they can't keep people from getting runs. Their defense is pretty bad, too. So it's just I don't think I think some of the problems with some of the teams we're looking at here is uh, they're just not as complete. Maybe maybe whether they should be or not. Like I said, some, you know, New Orleans, it seems like should be a better overall. But it's just for whatever reason, they're not Atlantic City. I feel like their offense uh, is probably as legit as what they're doing. But I'm not surprised about the pitching either. So I just have a hard time seeing them really <clears throat> take the reins again unless – they can start winning 10 to 8 games again. Because that's yeah, what it's going to take. Yeah, I think that kind of makes sense. Um, uh, you look at a team like at teams like uh, Atlantic City and Montreal in particular. I liked your comment that they're, you know, completeness, right, before it's all said and done. Uh, Montreal in particular with injuries uh, has some big holes uh, Atlantic City's pitching is a, has some uh, very clear holes. It kind of for them to succeed, we just talked, or I just talked anyway, a little bit about um, you know you get a little bit lucky and you have some guy take off and get really hot. They are close enough that they could make that happen, uh, but again, you wouldn't bet. I don't think on either one of them, uh, especially given the number of competitors. You know, if you're talking about Montreal being third has a better shot than Atlantic City being sixth because you have to overcome more. <laughs> uh, if you're Atlantic City, you have to overcome five teams in order to take the division. On the other hand, they're only two games out of a wild card, but then they've got one, two, three, four, five, six teams that they need to beat for that um, for that wild card. So the, the number of competitors starts to make you, make you get a little bit concerned too. Uh, let me jump up to then Rockville, uh, who's currently uh, tied with you for fourth place at 55 and 52. Um, what's the story in Rockville this year? They, uh, I think I, I can't tell if they're, they're a case of maybe the team underperforming a little bit, if they're just starting to get older, you know, Cannon is still putting up a Nebraska worth a year, but you know, uh, Dempster's having a pretty good year, but it's his, uh, he's going to be one of those cases where his war, is better than what his uh, ERA is. So some of these guys are still putting up production of top flight guys, but the actual production isn't happening. And I'm thinking, looking at them right now, it's probably their defense. Uh, their defense is pretty, pretty bad. 16th efficiency, 14th zone rating, 12th in errors. The offense, it seems like some that they probably should be a little better in 10th and run scored, but 
you know, other than on base percentage, they're middle of pack or a little worse. So, you know, if they're not 10th, they're maybe 7th offense. Uh, some of these guys, Zoe, Zoe isn't having, or Zao, however you say it, isn't having as good of a year. Um, I know he was banged up to start the year. And, of course, uh, uh, where is he, Pepper? There was no way Pepper was going to do what he did last year, and he's not. He's still a good player, but he's not a 400 hitter. It's just some of these some of these guys on offense again in a league where offense is on the rise. It just seems like some of these guys on, especially on these Atlantic teams, if you're not the absolute studs of the team, you're having a down year. Yeah, without a doubt. And um, you know, Rockville is an interesting case because they've got a couple of young stars coming in. Wilson Elmer, I think, is uh, mm-hmm. if I remember right, he's like 21, 22 years old. Yep. Um, so they're and not, he's having a good year, and he's having a very good year. Um, um, they're not uh, totally decrepit, but you know they've had a lot of turnover with some of their stars. I think Aaron has done a a, uh, a yeoman's job at trying to hold on to his guys as long as he can. Uh, it, it has always felt like for the past like two to three seasons, uh, it has felt to me like Rockville is going to live and die by their starting pitching. Um, and it still just kind of seems to hold on, but they started off so poorly, right? They were 10 and 16 in April, 12 and 14 in May. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's extremely, they just erupted in, uh, June and July. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of that. Might just be them figuring it out. You know, I've, it's, we still can't count Rockville out just because, they do have a ton of talent and it was too much talent to eventually keep held down. I think, I think they got about another year or two of the rotation being as good as it is before that they're, they're going to hit that, uh, that wall where they're probably going to need to get some guys. But you know, if you're, if you're going with, if you're going with three starters, they're probably still the three scariest starters to face in the playoffs. Yeah. I'd have to say that, uh, that 33, 33 and 30, uh, mm-hmm. You know, all three of them, I guess, are 33. Cannon, Dempster, mm-hmm. and, and Martin. Martin is yep. the uh, is the unheralded number three. <laughs> um, that is a imposing group if it gets its act completely together. So, 385 Bapit on Martin, by the way. Yep. That, so that may tell you something. The defense is not doing them any favors. There you go. Well then, let's shine the spotlight on like I like I said in the introduction, the hottest team in the BBA right now. Fourteen straight wins. Um, tell me about what is going on in Charm City. What can Charm City fans expect as we look through August? Um, what are your what are your what are your hopes and goals and expectations for for the Charm City Jimmies? I hope they keep doing their thing. Um, you know, we we started off slow, just like Rockville. Um, just some people not doing what they need to do. I really think, talking about complete teams, I feel like we probably, in terms of talent, have one of the more complete teams in the division. Uh, we don't have the big boppers necessarily like Brooklyn or Rockville or, you know, some of these guys, you know, especially Atlantic City, but we have some really good hitters. They all, they're all hitting right now, it seems like. And the rotations picked it up. You know, Raphael, 
has been really good. Other than April, he's been pretty damn good. And I look at the team, my team, we're seventh in run score. And I think that comes from how slow we started because we're, for the most part, top five in just about every offensive category. You know, first in batting average, second OPS. And the pitching is still not ranked very well, but it's improving. Um, so there's some things we could be better. We could be better against left-handed um, left-handed pitchers. I've been trying to work that around. Um, yeah, I think. But um, I don't know. We're, I feel pretty good about our chances now that we're here. Yeah, I think it was interesting. Charm City has been a, I'll call it a media darling for the past couple of seasons with the expectation of rising up. And I've got a saying that I throw out every now and again that you can't win a uh, division in April, but you can sure lose it. 100%. And, uh, and Charm City, uh, if you take April out of the mix, Charm City is a, is a near dominating team, but April was a horror fest. And of interest, um, I'd be interested in your take on this. Uh, Charm, uh, your ball club spent almost the entire month of April on the road. Yes. Um, uh, that is a tough way to get going. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I didn't want to complain about it too much because other teams have gone through it. But I think I can't remember. There was a point we were like two and 19 on the road. Or something like that. There you go. And we were st- and we were over 500 at home. So I don't know if it's I don't know how that works in you know in OTP with morale or whatever. I mean our road record is still terrible. But if we really did start two and 19, like I think I'm pretty sure there was a point we were two and 19. We're 19 and 33 now. So what would that mean? We went we've gone 17 and 14 since. I think that's the math. Quick math. There you go. Um. So. And I think if you look at your August schedule, um, you're going to be on the road for a lot of August, too. But you look at the teams, and in April, you were playing the New Orleans and the Rockbills and so forth on the road. Um, in August, you've got Charlotte, you've got Wichita. Uh, Calgary is not having the strongest year, but is always dangerous. You've got Jacksonville on the road. You've got Atlantic City, uh, who we just talked about as kind of being a... Uh, 50-50 team. Um, the road schedule in August, uh, while being on the road, is not quite as intimidating as that road schedule was in April. So it actually makes me wonder if you'd have swapped <laughs> the schedule for April and August, whether we'd be having a different conversation. Uh, what are you, what are your takes on that? Have you looked at that at all? Um, a little bit. I know at one po- I know a couple sims ago when I looked, we had the softest schedule. Um for the second half. So I think we're starting to take advantage of this some. And now granted, I say that, you know, this again, this in the middle of the streak, it started with Jacksonville and has Wichita in it. So I should be beating up on them, but Calgary, like you said, they're struggling a little bit this year, but it's Calgary. Uh, give me your thoughts about what's going to happen as we move forward here in the Atlantic. The odd sheet is really balanced right now. So what are your expectations for, uh, for each of these clubs as we go forward, what do you what do you what do you expect to have happen? Who's going to win the Atlantic? We're going to win the Atlantic because we were supposed to win the Atlantic, and we finally figured out how we're going to win the Atlantic, and we're going to win it 
we're gonna we're gonna have another great August. You know, maybe not as good as July, but we're we're gonna take a hold of the division this month. And then I think uh, I think Rockville will probably rise up with us, but I think they'll finish third behind New Orleans, Brooklyn. Like I said, I have a hard time. As good as their offense is, I still think unless they get a, a power pitcher in their bullpen or something, I have a hard time seeing them staying up top. But I could see them finishing fourth, and then Montreal and Atlantic City. That'd be my order. Um, that's without really seeing what the strength of schedule is for those other teams. I know mine's pretty soft. But um, I, th- I think the fact that they let my team stay so close after that start is going to be a big mistake by all of them. <laughs> there you go. So you're looking at Charm City, New Orleans, Rockville. Is that my? Is that what I'm uh, hearing you say? That's what I'm going to say because I think New Orleans is uh, probably underachieving a little bit. Um, they need to get one of their catchers going, but their pitching is good too. There you go. Yeah, they've kind of squandered a squandered a moment, so you never know what's going to happen. Talk to me, uh, Charlotte and Jacksonville. Both of those teams are uh, pretty much out of the running right now. Looking at uh, next year, uh, do you see them being spoilers in any way? Have you looked at at uh, what to expect out of them? Uh, no, because you know what, I, I I really haven't looked at what their team first team is. I know. And no offense, no offense to either one of them. If I were in your shoes, I probably would not be really looking at them either. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know Charlotte, you know I know Richardson went down, so that's going to hurt them even more. Like they already had the worst offense in the JL. I mean, I like what they're doing, building up prospects and trying to mix. You know, some of their trades, I'm I'm meh on, but I mean they've. But then when I look at their farm system and some of the young players they have, they're clearly doing. There's something. They're clearly doing something right where they're starting to get a decent little stockpile. So. They're probably still another two or three years away, but they're plugging away. And Jacksonville is still kind of tearing themselves down yep. to make that rebuild. So, you know, again, I, I don't see them um, being spoilers too much. It's definitely possible. Um, yeah, probably the only interesting element as being a spoiler for Jacksonville is what happens uh, if slash when Chris Kelly comes back because he is actually scheduled medically to be available to pitch. Um, whether they would actually throw him out onto the mound or not, uh, he could certainly create some problems for a team here or there, and even a one- or two-game swap. Um, uh, given how close the Atlantic is right now, uh, a one- or two-game swap for a team uh, could actually end up costing playoff positions. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, in Jacksonville still has some high-end talent. They still have uh, Zuniga. Zunique, I think it's Nigia, or maybe I don't know. Sounds all good to me. My Midwestern <laughs> tongue doesn't wrap around a lot of these names very well. So. I'm not sure, but they. I mean, even though they got a worse record, I mean, like you said, once Kelly comes back, it's definitely possible. Um, but I don't know. I just think they're. I mean, and you know what? I'm sitting here saying this, and it's not like all of us are lighting the world on fire. You know, some of us are hot now, but we've been up and down, so. At the same time, talking out of both sides of my mouth, I'm sitting here saying I don't think so. But then again, it's not like any of us are that great. So It's not so much that great or not. The the fascinating thing that I see about the Atlantic uh, right now is just that everything is kind of coming together all at once. And you can't tell how much of it is great, how much of it is uh, random chance, how much of it is, you know, every one of these teams. We just walked through all the teams. There's great talent on each one of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it's all said and done. And really all it takes 
is for uh, one or two, um, you know, Atlantic City, like I said, could have a, um, you know, suddenly have Juan Rivera go absolutely ballistic. And mm-hmm. if he manages to uh, steal three wins where he wasn't expecting to, he could send Rockville home without a playoff. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Playoff slot. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I'm I'm ext- I'm extremely entertained by what's going on with the Atlantic, and I appreciate you taking some time out to talk about each of the teams from kind of the inside because uh, you guys know your division better than anyone else does. So sure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks your time, and, and we'll uh, maybe we'll come back at the end of uh, August and and do a reprise. We'll see how things are going in the Atlantic again. Sounds good. In the wild, wild Atlantic. Have a great day, man. You too. You've been listening to the BBA Today, a podcast that covers the Brewster Baseball Association every day. Music is Bold Statement, available at FesleyandStudios.com and used in attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you again tomorrow.